Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Down the Back of the Sofas. Uh, it's the podcast with me, Steve, and Russ that embraces everything, not only the shiny new penny you've found, but also the half-jewed toffee covered in fluff. How you been doing? I'm very well, thank you very much, Steve. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good. It's um, weird times, but... Uh, Certainly is, slow slow okay. times as well. Do you want to go straight into the first section? Yeah, why not? Let's go. Do it, right? Yeah. So that's... Okay, well, so we're into our first section, which is So Far So Good. It's... Super Mario, well-known character. It's his 35th anniversary this year. And there is rumours going around that uh, Nintendo are going to basically redo all of his uh, 3D games that he's known for, like the most famous ones. Uh, They're going to bring them out throughout the year, up until the end of the year, on the Nintendo Switch. So... Uh, on the, the very first 3D game he was in was Super Mario 64, which was on the uh, Nintendo 64. And then we've got Super Mario Sunshine, which was on the GameCube. And then we've got Super Mario Galaxy, which was on like the Wii. And then you've got Super Mario 3D World, which came out on the Wii U. So they're going to remaster all of those, bring them all up to date with new HD graphics. And it's basically their their big sort of like nod to Mario on his 35th anniversary, and they're going to be releasing all these games, say remastered, all redone for the Nintendo Switch. So it's, it's only a rumor going around at the minute, but it is from various sources that have been known to come up with correct information in the past. So there's no reason to not believe that this is going to happen. Well, are they? Um, uh, have you got a particular favorite of any of them? Um, well, Nintendo sort of Super Mario sixty four was the the very first game that Mario appeared in three D on the Nintendo sixty four. So that will always sort of like I spent so many hours playing that when that first came out. So that will always stick in my mind as being one of my favourites. But other than that, I really like Super Mario Sunshine. Um, basically, you, well, funny enough, you was on a tro- I was going to pick. On, yeah, I was going to pick on that because I've never I never had a GameCube. So yeah. when you mentioned that, I thought I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, basically, he's on a he's on like a tropical island and. You've got this jetpack on your back that can spray water, and you can like the jets of water lift you up, so you can get to higher, higher places and that. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, definitely a fan favourite, um, and it will be received really well if it does actually come out on the Switch. So yeah, do, do I, think, I think it will. Yeah. Do you think they'll be like responsibly sort of priced in the way that you know they're not full price games, or do you think because they're remastering they'll they'll charge the full whack yeah no Nintendo they'll probably charge the full rate um, <laughs> yeah uh, whether there'll be digital only releases I don't know probably not they'll because people you know if they're sort of like a 35 year collector's edition then people are going to want the physical boxes rather than just a digital download so um, I would imagine that they're going to be full price games sounds good yeah so quite excited yeah, about that yeah, because you can. I mean, with the Switch, you can use the the older controllers as well, can't you? Yes. Yeah. So you can get adapters. You can use uh, like GameCube controllers, and so yeah, it's going to be perfect for it. Nice. Nice. Sounds like sounds pretty good. Um. Yeah, my little bit. I was wanted to talk about the uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, I loved the first show. Great. It was Absolutely great. Adored. Yeah. Every single episode was had surprises and. And um, just little nods to the original Star Wars. For me, it was a bit, a little bit like uh, Rogue One. It had that air of, of what you could say, you know, vintage Star Wars. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, there's been quite a good 
show called Disney Gallery that's come out on Disney Plus, and that's another eight-part documentary that is all about the making of. Uh-huh. And uh, as separate shows deal with certain stuff, like it could be the actors one week, directors one week, uh-huh. you know, special effects, all that, all that sort of thing. But they're they're little they're interspersed with other little bits and pieces from discussions, round tables, some old sort of making of. So, you know, everything like the the tools they yeah. learnt and used in the originals they're bringing back for this one. Yeah. I mean, the fact that um, a lot of the special effects was done using uh, the Unreal Engine. Oh, really? Yeah, and basically where you're seeing um, <clears throat> some of the environments they weren't just digitally shot afterwards they're literally screens oh. they're screens that were put up around the actors yeah. and they were they were literally projected on so when you can when you view when you watch some of the show it's literally you can't tell what's a physical set and what is actually a a, a game oh. engine at the back but they was able to photograph it or film it in such a way that you, you can't tell mm. plus it saved a lot on on post-production because they was getting everything there as they shot it and it totally blew me away I did hear a rumour they were using the Unreal Engine but I didn't realise to what what extent because it's a ceiling as well yes so when you're seeing the ship half of it is built half of it is is a projected picture of the uh, of the ship right so basically as the camera moves the scenery is moving with you so it doesn't distort Ah. So you know, I've I've seen that that series on Disney Plus, but I didn't know what it was. I, I saw it on there, like Disney uh, Galaxy Gallery, yeah, Gallery yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. I've seen it, but I didn't know what it was about. But I'll have to check that out. It's, it's... Seriously, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, it depends. I'm always one of these people who I love watching a film, and then I'll I like watching the making of. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't spoil it for me. If anything, a lot of the times when I think, oh, that's obviously done that with a model or, or obviously that was CGI, I'm then completely blown away by the fact that, oh my God, they really did fly that helicopter under there. Yeah. And there's me thinking it was just, you know, a helicopter film somewhere else that was just put in. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like, um, uh, I think it was the Italian job, the, the remake of the Italian job had a helicopter flying in some really difficult places. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah. And then suddenly... <laughs> you find That's out happens. it actually was done, yeah. yeah. And well, this as well, because this kind of when you watch it, the the show that the Star Wars movie revolutionised special effects and that for the movie industry. Like obviously that it brought in ILM and everything. Well, else. that too, because the things that Lucas wanted to do, no no company could do it. So the only way that he could do it was by setting up his own, which was ILM. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think what happened was that. Um, John Favreau, he 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 is John Favreau, isn't he? Yeah, John Favreau, Baloney. Yeah. yeah, he he um, used some of these techniques on uh, Lion King, right? Or it was more the fact that he he was a bit disappointed with some of the techniques that he had to use, and that they started using and you know started bringing this in, and that's really what they used, obviously, for the whole of Mandalorian, which cut down on so much. Yeah. But also, if you think about it, it's opening it up to a lot of bigger things. The fact that when we get the Obi Wan show. Or, or the Rogue One spin-off, yeah. it's going to be so much easier and more cost-effective for them to do it that we're still going to get shows that are going to blow us away. Yeah. But we're going to get so much. You know, are they? You know, we're going to get sixteen parts rather than an eight. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like you mentioned, Un- Unreal Engine. Um, about two weeks ago, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't seen it, then definitely look it up because it was worth a watch. But um, Unreal, the guys uh, who make it, I think, is Epic. I think they're called. Um, they did a demo of the new Unreal Engine 5, which comes out next year, and it was a demo running on the new PS5. And, oh my God, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable what they're doing. And these consoles now, this new generation of consoles coming, the power that they have, it's, as I say, if you haven't seen it, I was blown away by it. I thought, no way. How can that? That was running real time as well. It's like, no, surely that's just a captured video. But no, it was a demo running real time on the PS5 hardware, and it just blew me away. You were following a, a female character, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Running through. And yes. Then she's flying. That's it. Yes. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, I did see it. I must admit, I was looking at it thinking, you know, that the, the quality of the, the, the detail that was in the rocks and, yes. and everything that he's walking through and, and the real time shadows yeah. and everything. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they could bring that to VR, that would be great. Yeah. I doubt 
they could because you'd need double the processing yeah. for each eyeball yeah. but you know that's that's where we're going we're getting into that sort of stuff yeah you know the photo realistic bits anyway anyway i'm coming off of yes <laughs> coming yes, off we track. Are. Uh, but one interesting <laughs> fact about the mandalorian which you said which i'm sure you were about to cover but i'm going to jump in there before you anyway yeah, no, go. <laughs> it goes right, so go for, right. for season two uh they're going to bring out bring back boba fett or boba fett's going to be in it yes but this does yeah, bring up now... my question which i don't really understand i because where mandalorian is set it's set after return of the jedi and before the force awakens correct yeah yeah but i thought boba fett got eaten alive at the pit well that's the rumor but you that he was brought back i think in the comics right in the great in a graphic well i've done that graphic novel but definitely in a series of comics he was brought back but there was never whether that's canon i don't think because that would be in what's called the vintage now is it right. vintage or whatever yeah. that's that's not normal sort of disney but um the one thing i don't want to get bogged down in is bringing too many of the normal star wars yes i, I wanted to continue with original characters yeah. to a certain extent because they're you know they you're you're going to get bogged down a little bit in that sort of stuff yeah i mean we've got the the new season is scheduled for october for release and it will be coming out in october october disney have said it's it's done it's filmed oh cool yeah just just post-production is what they're just finishing off so there's there won't be a delay oh okay um so I mean, hopefully we're going to obviously have uh, the baby Yoda, the child or whatever that was in it. Cara Dune, who was played by Gina uh, Carino, yeah. uh, and and Grief, who was played by the brilliant Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's definitely going to be coming back, isn't he? I, I love the fact that you you heard that he was a, a judge. Yeah. So he suddenly he wasn't just a low life. He was obviously somebody that had done something wrong yeah. because that was his past. He used to be a judge and stuff like that. So yeah. that was really good. You like say we've got. Um, I think that that will be um, uh, Tamara Morrison, who who was obviously in Attack of the Clones. Right. He's going to be playing Boba Fett. Uh, Tim, uh, Timothy Oliphant has just been said he's going to be in it, but we don't know what character. Right. Michael Bean from Aliens. And, oh, really? Uh, and Terminator, yeah, they've, they've said he. there's a rumour that he's going to be in it. Okay. You've got uh, you've definitely got uh, Katie Sackoff from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Right. She's going to be playing uh, Bo-Katan, uh, who originally had the Darksaber that you saw in the last episode being carried by Moff Gideon. Yeah. So that, because I think it was, he, st- he was obviously stolen that. That's not his. Mm-hmm. And that's meant to have been made by... Uh, I think it's uh, Tara Vizsla, I think, if I'm reading that right. It was the first uh, Mandalorian in the Jedi Order. Right. So that's the the, 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 the lightsaber that was created. So it was the first ever yeah. black-bladed lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and you've got uh, Rosario Dawson, who's going to be playing uh, Ahsoka right. from the Clone Wars, which I'm looking forward to. So that's going to be really good. Apparently, you can. she's one of the voices... I don't know if you could hear it separately, but she's one of the voices in the climactic scene with Ray at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Oh. So when they're not talking to her, she's her voice is in that, right? Which is a nice little link to of all the yeah. you know, quite powerful Jedi's. Um, sure, that's a bit. Going, sure, that's a bit of a yeah. kick in the teeth, though, for the actress that did the voice in the Clone Wars. Uh, for her not being asked to actually act out the, uh, the part in real life. I suppose, but dealing with history of Star Wars, you obviously had uh, Darth Vader, who was yeah. being voiced. Yeah, and he was um, not happy about that, because he, he, he didn't he know. Did. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he didn't know, but you'd kind of think with an accent like that, yeah. it's not going to be... <laughs> it weren't going to work, was it? No, not really, no, no. You're, you're a traitor, you're a traitor, you are. <laughs> really? Thanks. You just wouldn't take him seriously. I don't the mask or not. No. You just wouldn't be able to... Uh, you're part, part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. <laughs> he just wouldn't work. And I love him. He's a really, he was a really nice chap when I met him. Yeah. But yeah, it, that's one of those things where you just think, yeah, voice coach. Mm. Get rid of that accent. Yeah, it's got, know, as, as lovely as it is, it, it only works in hot fuzz. Yeah. Yes. You're right, my love. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. Uh, <laughs> one to be covered, maybe, in a future episode. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, 
it made me laugh. As, well, it did make me laugh. It made me pick me ears up when I heard as well that Danny Trejo, Machetti, yeah. expressed he wanted to be in uh, an upcoming season. So he's obviously not in two, but he could be in could be in three. Right. Um, the writer, uh, Gary Witter, who actually done Rogue One, he said he's going to try and make it happen. So that would be quite interesting. Okay, uh, but um, but on, on, the, on the back of that, because um, as you've mentioned, Mandalorian was done by uh, John Favreau and Dave, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is more known for the Clone Wars, but um, he's very much into his Star Wars lore. He knows a hell of a lot about it. And um, the rumours going around that uh, Disney have basically said, look, um, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Star Wars is now yours. So anything further future now coming out Star Wars... Well, hopefully we'll have them at the, at the top of it. I think I think they should approve stuff as well because you know uh, Filoni he's, he's uh, and again watching those uh, Disney Gallery episodes, his knowledge I know. is is only surpassed. I personally think by George Lucas. Yeah, because he knows so much, and they he worked very closely with George as well. Yeah, and um, he's literally like a, a, a Uber. Uber yeah. geek. Well, when before Mandalorian come out, and I, I heard John Favreau was doing it, I didn't know John Favreau knew anything about Star Wars. But it turns out that he's well into it. He does. He does. He does. He does really like it. Um, an interesting little thing as well, because picking up from Danny Trejo, uh, he's got a new documentary coming out as well uh, called Inmate: The Rise of Danny Trejo, and basically it's his real life story of basically his rise from being a poor sort of heroin heroin addict and a criminal to quite a big Hollywood star and uh, and a drug counsellor for people that are obviously having problems Um, but it's uh, he's 71 Uh, he's going to explore his own his own sort of his old stomping grounds with a supporting cast of family friends and some big stars uh, to obviously see how he transformed himself um, he's wasn't he, he was in Con Air, wasn't he? Well, that's what I was going to say. He's got the title of the most killed actor <laughs> in Hollywood. He has been killed sixty-five times on screen. <laughs> say, the only other thing that I remember that I can remember him from is from the Taco adverts. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no, yeah. he's a great actor. Oh uh, yeah, I love him and stuff as well. And I just think if you if you've been killed sixty five times, I'd kind of take that personally <laughs> myself. But um, old Machete. But uh, yeah, that's coming out um, around about the twenty second of June. So we've got that before we get uh, uh, the Mandalorian. But I'm really pleased that the the season season two is not going to be uh, yeah delayed in any way. So many really. things have been delayed. You know, you've got the the new Top Gun film that got pushed way back, and the, what what made me laugh as well about the 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 new Bond film is that uh, they they brought the song out uh, and then I think the song had been out literally two days and then the announcement come out that they were pushing the film back so any revenue from that song was gone that that, that was not going to go anywhere but it's quite it's not a bad song actually I must have I was quite I mean I'm looking forward to the to the film I just wonder that you know maybe they're thinking more the fact that those sort of films I mean that's why Tenant is is still scheduled to be released yeah. in the cinema is the fact that that film along with Top Gun needs to be seen on a big screen yes. you know if if they've not used any CGI or whatever in, in Top Gun which they, they said they wouldn't yeah. then yeah I, I would say that that needs to be seen somewhere like Waterloo or something like that yeah. on a nice big IMAX, IMAX. Yeah. screen and stuff like that so we're on to our main part of the show which is the Sofa's Focus what you got for us this week I have I love this film Where Eagles Dare ooh great film it's it was released in 68 so it's getting it's getting on a bit um, but still up there though Steve still up there uh, well, well yeah I mean it, it's uh, doesn't really date it, it doesn't it's a bit like you know a film that you know your action man would be in yeah it's um, it stars Richard Burton yeah. Clint Eastwood um, and Darren Nesbitt uh, who I 
have met. Really, really nice chap. Uh, Darren plays the Major von Harpen of the SS. Yes. Oh, I like him. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Richard Burton plays uh, Major John Smith, and Clint Eastwood was uh, Lieutenant Morris Schaefer. Um, I think we, it's Lieutenant Lieutenant, isn't it? So the Royal Navy say Lieutenant, and the British Army say Lieutenant. lieutenant. Yeah. And um, but basically, the story is set in World War Two. Uh, and it's about a small group of soldiers hand-picked for a covert mission uh, behind enemy lines to uh, rescue an allied general from a supposedly inaccessible fortress, <laughs> a castle called the Schloss Adler, which is the castle of eagles. Um, there's plenty of twists and turns and double crosses. I used to... I first got introduced to this uh, film when I was at school because it was always at the end term. Uh, they used to put this movie on and everybody was making a noise and having fun and I was actually trying to watch yeah. it because <laughs> I really liked it. Um, it it's, it's kind of dated a little bit obviously with some of the effects because you can see and even Clint Eastwood did call it at the time uh, where Double's Dare uh. <laughs> because there's quite a lot of uh, of uh, people doubling them, but then they are on top of cable cars and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think with those old films, the, the the scenes that stick out the most for me is when they're driving something or they're you know because like the, the film behind them is like moving about all over the place, and you can clearly see that they're, they're not there. But um, that's the only thing that doesn't really stack up now for that film for me. It's get yeah. It's sort of. Uh, um, it was directed by Brian Hutton, who also did Kelly's Hero, Kelly's Heroes oh. with uh, with Clint Eastwood and High Road to China, which is obviously Tom Selleck's little Raiders, because oh. he didn't get Raiders. He wanted to do High Road to China, which is like eighty three, which is like two years after Raiders. Yeah. Um, but the uh, Darren Nesbitt is is a really nice chap, and he told me a little story that. Uh, when he was dressed up as the SS, he was staying in a, in, a, in a small little hotel. You obviously had the major major stars as such, like Clint Eastwood and Burton, staying up. They stayed away from the village where it was filmed. But but Darren wanted to stay in there yeah. and get, get the feel of everything. Right. And uh, he said it was a small hotel. He was the only sort of person really there at the time. And, of course, with filming certain scenes, he had to leave at really weird hours. And he was all dressed up in his SS uniform. Oh. And the owner of the hotel used to be part of, what well, they think part of, like the Nazi air, you know, the uh, movement kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the movement that was there. And he nearly had a heart attack because he saw this German a soldier mm. walking down the the, the 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 alleyway of the hotel at like three o'clock in the morning. And he thought he was a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose when you think about it, the film came out '68. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As far as years are concerned, as far as war is concerned, then even then, that was, it was still fresh in people's oh, minds, yeah. you know? Absolutely, yeah. I know you may be talking like 20 odd years since it happened, but it don't matter, it was still fresh. It, um, and I love the sort of call sign of uh, Broadsword calling Danny Boy. Yeah. It, it's all these little bits that um, that make it just, it's just a good action film. The, the fact that, um, you know, you've got Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood there. With his two machine guns firing down the alleyways, and uh, it's just—I would say fun. Fun's the wrong word. It, it, it's a war film that you can just enjoy as an action film, rather than it trying to be true to life. Yeah. Trying to sort of teach you as well as entertain, if that's the word. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really loved it. I've always loved it, and it's—I love the scene when you know Clint Eastwood's on the on the. On the on the, the motorbike and uh, Richard Burton's in the sidecar. I, I love that scene where they're trying to escape from the you know the Germans that are after them, and I just love that scene. I think also as well, it's when they they've set these these little um, uh, bombs and, and oh, around the tree and the trees. Yeah. yeah, and as they're coming back, they're hitting it, going tsin, 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 <laughs> and then of course it's all blowing up everywhere. No, fantastic! I, I loved it. But Richard, Richard Burton had such a, a, a iconic voice, you know. Oh, absolutely! Um, yeah, I, I I didn't see that film from a young age like like you did. You know, um, I didn't see it until you know later on in life. But I first heard Richard Burton on a 
recording of War of the Worlds. That, that's what yes. I, I knew him from. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, man, what a voice he's got. And um, he just portrayed that story so so well. And then when I eventually saw saw the film and I saw that he was in it, it's just like, yeah, he's just got one of those voices that just it just stands out. It just stands out. Absolutely. I think also um, one of the major scenes where one of the big... Um, uh, double crossing sort of scenes there's a bit there where he calls Clint Eastwood a punk ah oh, yes and a second rate <laughs> punk at that <laughs> and that has always been my game attack a second rate punk it has indeed <laughs> yes very very good very good so that's where that originated from so, okay what have you got for us um, I've gone away from films and I've chosen a TV show from the 80s um, it first aired in September 1984 and it had five seasons and the last episode was in January 19, uh, sorry, uh, 1989 and that is the most excellent and probably the best cop series you're ever going to see Miami Vice Ooh. I absolutely love that and again it was one of those where I couldn't really I haven't watched it until later on in life because it was on in the 80s we were kids in the 80s not giving our ages away of course but it was always on during the week quite late at school the next day and very rarely was I able to watch it every now and again I'd manage to be allowed to stay up and watch an episode and you know just oh it just stuck in my mind for so many years and, and even today I'm just re-watching them again, again now and what a series even today you know okay some of it's dated, like the clothes they were wearing, which we'll get onto in a minute. But it's still, as far as a cop show is concerned, uh, it's it's still one of the best for me. How many was there? Quite a few. Uh, I just wondered how many seasons there was. There was five. It's five. Wow. It was, uh, how many episodes per season? It's quite. Well, oh, 112. Yeah, wow. yeah. So they hit their hundredth episode during season five. Yeah. So yeah. I got. I mean, I always used to listen to. I think I had the. Uh, <laughs> they had the soundtrack on cassette. Yeah, and Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a great musician. That theme tune as well, and also, you know, the the, the one of the themes that actually got to number one in the UK charts was Crockett's theme, and you which know, you don't hear. That's what annoys me with programs today. They very rarely have a theme tune. No. You just you're straight into it, yeah. and that's it. You just think, oh, they just have a one note, meh, yeah, and that's it. You're in. Yeah, but my advice was known for its music, not only both from the tunes that were throughout running throughout the the episode, but also it was using popular pop tunes of the time, um, which brings me on to a little story. Um, season one, it, it my advice is very difficult to get hold of for streaming. You can buy it on Blu-ray, DVD, or whatever the pulp box set, but if you just want to watch it streaming. It's very difficult to get hold of. Um, iTunes on the UK and US store only have season one, and also Amazon Prime only have season one. You, they don't. They've never brought out the other four seasons, which I, I don't know why, but they've just never appeared. But there's a story on season one. If you look on iTunes, this is the UK and the US store. Episode twenty one is missing. Because when you go and buy a series on iTunes, you can either buy it per episode or you can buy it as a series. With this, you can't because it's obviously missing that one episode because they can't sell it as a complete series. The interesting thing is, on Prime Video, you can buy it as a season because they have episode 21. And I thought, well, what's, what's the thing with episode 21? It was called Evan. That was the name of the episode. And I thought, well, there's got to be something in there then stopping them from allowing to do it and I found out what it was do you want to know what it was Steve? yeah yeah go for it yeah is it a... it's to do with one of the artists that whose music they were using so there's two oh. two songs by the same artist there's one at the beginning of the episode one towards the end of the episode and for whatever reason I don't whether it's uh, the, the music company or whether it's him himself have obviously not allowed for streaming services to air that episode and that was Peter Gabriel that surprises me yeah that's I mean but you'd think no oh, I suppose they couldn't because it's already been done you think they could just take that out or oh, different tracks why Why if they re-released that episode and took those yeah. songs out 
which is but, the weird thing because if you buy the box sets on either DVD or Blu-ray, all the music is intact for every show, even that that one episode. And I ha- yeah. I haven't watched the I haven't bought the series on on Prime Video, but I'm wondering because they are they do have episode twenty one. I'm wondering have they cut the songs out from that episode? It's very strange though. But I, yeah, and it's also not two of his well known. Not I've I've not heard them before, um, because you know Which, his most favourite tune that I can remember. Well, there was two. There was one that he, he did with Kate Bush, uh, yeah. and then there was Sledgehammer. They were the the two, his yeah, two the, biggest the biggest songs. the biggest ones. I mean, it is, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, he, he's on um, Apple Music, so. Yeah, you know, but, yeah, you'd kind of think that. I mean, I love, I love the album. So, yeah, uh, that was sort of eighty six. So it was around about the same time that this would all been happening. So I wonder why. Yeah, so series one was it first aired as I say in, in eighty four, and that carried over into early eighty five. So, yeah. and that was one of the. It, it, there was twenty two episodes in that series, so it was the twenty first episode. So it would have been early early eighty five that would have aired that would have originally aired. Um, but it's it's weird, and and the only streaming company or service that I've found where you can stream all five series intact is NBC, which isn't available in the UK. You have to go through a VPN, but it's free. The series are free. You can do it. So may, need... maybe that's it. Maybe it's NBC own, own the rights, or somehow. Oh a... no! But NBC haven't got episode twenty-one either. Ah, uh, well that. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of weird because you you kind of think that you'll be able to get these older shows without any problem because there's obviously something there in the background that's making people yeah. go, no. Yeah, it's weird. That's sort of like you think Apple, you know, if they've got the first se- series or season, you'd think they'd be able to get hold of the other four, but no, it's not on there. Unless, unless it's one of these songs where it wasn't just Peter Gabriel that wrote it, or did, there was somebody yeah. else as well that helped no. him. Yeah. yeah, and they've said no, yeah. which is kind of weird. Maybe they're holding out for a bit yeah. more or whatever. But yeah, that's it's a shame because you know, for a, probably a few minutes. But you, you do get a lot of stuff on YouTube and stuff where people say, "I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that," but we we asked for the rights and they wouldn't let us have it. Yeah, so, weird. or it's you know, it, and you yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, but shame. but getting back back to the show, it was uh, it was produced by Michael Mann, and uh, probably mostly known for the film Heat that he did was very much in the vein of kind of my advice really. Um, but yeah, what a show uh, from from the clothes, from the music, cars. Yeah, the, the cars. Ferrari. I mean, I mean that that had, that had an iconic car, the same as the Magnum and stuff like that, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, still Crockett Ferrari. is a black black Ferrari. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. And just those two characters, you know, Crockett and Crockett and Tubbs, you know, uh, Don Johnson and uh, <laughs> Crockett and Tubby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas. Yeah, what great like comic, you know, putting them two together would just work so well, and. Yeah, it came out in the eighties. You think, oh yeah, it's a series from the eighties. But if you get a chance, watch it because it stacks up today. It still does. Because it, it, you know there wasn't a need for a lot of special effects, so you didn't really need to worry about that. The car scenes were car scenes; they were in the car. So it, you know, it's nothing false about it. And it's as I say, it's still up there as as one of the best cop shows I've ever seen. And the, the stories and the writing, it's just really, really good. That'd be interesting to see how that stacks up against sort of more of the seventies sort of Starsky and Hutch. Yes, you know the fact that you know from every single episode, you know, did they drive through cardboard boxes or yes. you know they they had a bit more. Uh, I would say, considering obviously where it was based, I mean Miami used to be really bad for, yeah. for criminal activity. You know, the, the and the murder rate was. Yeah, I think that's why the, the, it was the idea to base the show there to try and you know, lift it a bit and bring it out of the difficult times it, it was in. But, you know, I heard recently that the, the budget for, at the time for episode was like over a million dollars per episode. And, you know, that's a big budget for something back then. It was half of that just security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To stop the actual actors from getting shot. <laughs> but no, 
I, I love I love the show. As I say, if if you get chance, as I say, it's on NBC. You need a VPN to go and watch it. But if you can watch it or buy, buy the Blu-rays, watch it because it's it's a great series. I'm loving I was it. Say, just just having a quick look at some of the cameos as well is a is a real sort of look of that particular time as well. Oh, a lot. Sheena, Sheena Easton. Yeah, yeah. A lot know, of the actors. Gene Simmons. Got that's where they got their start. You know, in the first uh, uh, series, uh, Bruce Willis. Is in it, and that yes, yeah, that was like two or three years before he was in uh, Die Hard. So yeah, you got you got Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Viggo Mortensen, Michael Masden, Ian yeah. McShane, Ian McShane's in everything. Yes, <laughs> Bill Pack, Wesley Snipes, he was in it as well. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, Ving Rhymes is in the first series as well. It's like he looked totally <laughs> unrecognisable. Like you, you picture Ving Rhymes of how he looks in the the Mission Impossible films, but. He looks nothing like you, but you could just tell it's him by his voice, you know? It's like, yes, oh, is that yeah. right? It's like, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, what, awesome. what a that, show. I highly recommend it. I must admit, that's why I quite like watching some of the older shows as well, because you just see somebody go, oh my God, they was in that? Yeah. How brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I going to say, Edward James, uh, almost. Yeah, he's he's played the new captain. I was going to say, yeah, more for uh, Blade Runner and... Um, yeah. And Battlestar Galactica as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice one. Brilliant. Thank you. That's alright. And it's time to lift the cushions in Retro Raiders. <laughs> right. This is where we, we really dig into the back and just find those oldies but goodies. Uh, I have a nice little place for this film by Clint Eastwood it was released in 1982 and it's called Firefox Ooh, what a great film what a great <laughs> film, I love it um, it was based upon a, a, a novel actually the same name that was um, released in 1977 oh. so it's uh, I, I've read the book, I really enjoyed the book it was pretty much a word for word um sort of representation of the book the plot for Firefox is uh, is really good, it's, it's a joint uh, American and British um, plan to try and steal uh, a Soviet fighter aircraft, a MiG-31 it was codenamed Firefox, uh, it's capable of Mark 6 where most of our body designs begin to melt at Mark 3 and um, it's invisible to radar and carries a thought-controlled weapon arsenal, Ooh. which I love. The fact that potentially we could be getting something like that from Tesla. I don't know if you want to thought-control your car. But... <laughs> I'll probably end up somewhere I'm not supposed to be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's about a, uh, a former United States Air Force Major, Mitchell Gant. Mitchell, Mitchell Gant. Mitchell Gant, as it's said in the film, uh, is a Vietnam veteran and a former prisoner of war, which obviously does tend to crop up a couple of times in the film because uh, he has the uh, post. Oh, the flashbacks, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He works with a, a network of Soviet uh, dissidents who are the scientists working on the fighter, and he's basically got to steal the Firefox and bring it back to friendly territory. Uh, the KGB obviously I've got wind of this and they're obviously already looking for Gant when he comes over but they don't really they, they're sort of trying to capture all of the people involved so um, that's why I think they're so slow it, it's kind of weird the way I think if you uh, had this film or made this film now he probably would have been caught within the first five minutes of yeah. coming off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, you've got the old-school KGB. You haven't got the technology that we have now. Yeah. Certainly no mobile phones were available then. The The fact of they're probably still faxing a photo to and from different places and they're... Um, well, they didn't really know what he looked like, did they? They just had a, no. an idea, but they didn't know exactly what... And he kept on changing his appearance anyway. Like with the fake moustache and the glasses, and that's true. That's true. And the the, the PC power at the time, I suppose their records were weren't all on the on the PC stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I've always loved it. Just it, it, 
simplicity of the way the story is told. You, you don't have to use your brain. You know exactly what he's getting into. It's the characters and the way they're portrayed by the actors are so good. I mean, Freddie Jones is absolutely fantastic as, as Kenneth Aubrey, the sort of brains behind everything. Yeah. And uh, you've got the wonderful Warren Clark as as one of the the Russians who who helps him on the way he has a pretty a pretty bad sort of demise really because he's his wife is in prison anyway and he's got this kind of I'm just gonna I, I, everything is to do with this plane I, I've got to make sure that this pilot gets to this plane and his end is kind of weird for me because I, I watch it he obviously he, he helps him escape uh, but he, he is kind of nearly caught by the mm-hmm. KGB after him and he's in this field um after a car crash and he's he looks up and the he sees the plane fly over him which is which yeah. is quite a nice coincidence and he puts the gun to his forehead and you don't see anything but of course mm-hmm. it cuts right to the the sound of the engine <laughs> as the plane yeah, roars away and you saw <laughs> but but there's the music at that particular point is dead, and it's all sort of he's just shot himself. Yeah. What, what, what is this? Oh, but did he though? Did he? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, put it this way: he wasn't in the sequel. In the... <laughs> <laughs> Safe to say that he probably did. <laughs> and there's a, as I say, there's a lot of um, English actors. Uh, you have got the lovely uh, Ronald Lacey, who's obviously from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, who played Tot, who melted at the yeah, end, yeah. and uh, the, uh, even the brilliant Nigel Hawthorne yeah. uh, playing Dr. Baranovich. Yeah, must, he's must great. think in the Russian. He must think in the Russian. <laughs> and um, yeah, he got. And I think that's what Clint Eastwood was trying to do: he was surrounding himself with these really great actors because they, he didn't have to do much. He did his typical uh, uh, Clint Eastwood thing, was just grimace. Yeah. Look straight, the eye, yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and um, the it was quite a big budget at the time. It was like twenty twenty one million, which is for El Paso. Um, his company was one of the biggest they'd ever come across, oh. and I think about twenty twenty million was just on the special effects. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can see it in the picture. I still think that the the cockpit scenes stand up today. Yeah, that look like it looks real. You obviously know it's not, but it yeah. looks real. The lighting when it moves the background, yeah. I, I think it still looks good. And it that, doesn't look fault a false. No, and they built two life-size models of, yes. of the MiG itself. And yes, I always right. remember that the scene, you know, where he has to refuel, and um, he's got to land on that small patch of ice where the uh, the submarine comes up, and um, they have to pretend that they're sort of like some experimental like doing experiments sign experiments and that that whole landing sequence it's like that's a sort of like a real mock-up of an aircraft aircraft yeah. they're using there so that, that must have cost a fair amount of money to to build and it, to it be, looked yeah. convincing as well you know it wasn't like one of these flimsy models that you know as soon as you touch it it starts wobbling about and that it was like believable I, I, but also, I think some of the other stuff is. I mean, especially effects were done by John Dykstra, who's like direct, you know, Star Wars and and everything like that. So it, they were top notch, and yeah. I think that's obviously where a lot of the money went as well, did yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, it interests me that you have, if you watch it, when they're on the ice flow and they're with the uh, the submarine captain and stuff like that, you, you see this bloke come up, and you just you can hear it, and you can hear it in his voice. It's John Ratzenberger, and he, he, he sort you just. I just notice him out of that every time uh-huh. and I just think hey Toy Story brilliant <laughs> <laughs> it's all these little bits that crop up um, and of course he obviously managed to get the plane he he managed to you know that that last third of the movies is so good I think with the music and the special effects and, and uh, he was being chased by the other prototype uh, it, as well which right, wasn't a, quite finished but it, it, yeah it, it just had to be refueled and rearmed yeah. and and um, and they didn't know anything about that. They they sort of they didn't know that when until he actually got to the Nigel Hawthorne character, the Baranovich character, and he told him about that. There was yeah. no there was no evidence of, of that with all the the workings beforehand. And um, yeah, the uh, the flight scenes and the fact that he suddenly forgets to think in Russian at the most inconvenient point. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't work out why the weapons aren't firing. Yeah. And also as well I think that the the fact that they put in about the recording, um 
the, the black box uh, with him talking in the cockpit he, they could get away with so much as well mm. because he could describe things that in the book he's thinking but but in in the cockpit he can talk about it and that kept the flow of the story going as well yeah um at the end literally remembering how to talk russian he fires some rear wood facing missiles that take out the prototype yeah and he flies off into the into the uh into the sunset, which is quite nice, and the music comes up. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if they could do the sequel. The sequel to the, the book is, is called Firefox Down. Well, I was just going to and, talk about that to you. I was going to say, you know, yeah. what, what was the book like? Is it as, as is the story as good as the first one? Yes, or? I liked it. I liked it. It was as good. It's been a while since I've read it. I do need to read it again, but I do remember the fact that it was interesting. The, the, the reason why it goes down, and it goes back down in Russian territory, is the fact that those bullets that were fired didn't always miss the plane right he had a fuel problem and that's why he had to ditch it oh so gant is still in the second book he, oh yes yeah he's in the book and the story revolves about him trying to get out of russia trying to make his people aware that he's still alive and the plane is still accessible i'm trying to think i can't remember if they actually do manage to get the plane or the fact he manages to hide it i can't remember i'll have to read the book again but i i i love the book um I wish they'd make the make the film, but I'm wondering if because it didn't get a very good reception in the cinema, right? And it's one of those movies that I suppose me liking this sort of thing. You know, you've got Clean Eastwood, you've got a plane that doesn't exist, you've got these, you know, th- this story that's wrapped around this lovely, you know, dark-looking model. Yeah. And it appeals to me from that that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I think but, when you sort of like. You know, you used to talk to other people and say, "Okay, Clint Eastwood, n- name a couple of his most memorable films." Firefox isn't going to come out. It's not going to be mentioned unless you're a, like us, a real fan of it. You know, um, so yeah, it's a shame. And you know, it'd be perfect. Now's a perfect time to to do that second film because even though right, Clint Eastwood may be out of the picture, his son is like a looking in a mirror. He would be yep. a perfect actor, and he is an actor as well, to be in that film. And he I'm, would, I could quite easily see him playing that part. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really good. I mean, yeah, I mean, Clint, God love him, he's ninety this year. Yeah. Uh, still bringing out the films though, every now and again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Still absolutely. directing, still starring in films every now and again. And he's he's going to be one of those that when he goes, it's it's a hit, not only for the the, the movie, but also for for us of a certain age that. These people have been part of our lives for yeah. years. Yeah, you know, obviously oh. well before we was born, but also, you know, such a major influence on on the way f- movies are made now. I mean, his his portrayal of of Dirty Harry yeah. brought the fact that that guns and that weren't seen on screen when they were fired. Yeah, yeah. the fact that the, the spaghetti westerns were doing that, but now the the American sort of cop shows. You know, he told you know he didn't tell the director the fact that with normally you don't do that, you don't see the gun and see the person being shot on screen at the same time. That's what brought all that in, yeah. and, and I think that's what fired the the action movies of what we see today. That's yeah. where that snowball started from. Well, it was in so many memorable films. Like uh, one that sticks out for me, and it's it's one of my all time favourites, is Escape from Alcatraz. I love that film. I absolutely love that film. Just the because it's based on a true story as well, which you know, brings it you know more to life, so to speak. And yeah, it was just yeah, he was great in that film. I loved it. For me, it's uh, Outlaw. Yeah, you know the Outlaw, um, Josie Wales, and uh, even Pal Ryder. Pal Ryder. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Pal Ryder. That I love because that was quite a bit of an eighties film, and yeah. it came out when westerns were not even. You know, it was all to do with action movies and muscle men and yeah. you know stuff like that. And then he brings out Power Rider, and I, and I absolutely love that film. Yeah. So, but yes, that's my uh, my little uh, retro Raiders. That's Firefox. Cool. So, what a worthy worthy film of the of our first episode. Yes. Yes. And one thing to mention on that, which we haven't brought in. What's that? is a, a feature we're going to be bringing in from future episodes from now, and we're going to start it on now on, on this film. We're going to give it a cushion count. Yes. And if we think it's good, 
and we're going to rate it on what we would have given it back then when we first saw it and we're also going to rate it on what we would give it now so it's a maximum of five cushions so if it's a really great film or whatever we talk about we give it five cushions it's, it's got one the top award not so good the one or two cushion that's got all the sticky sweet stuck to it and you just would not want to be leaning up against it so Firefox for me when I first saw it back in the day as a kid that would have got five cushions I watched it recently and yeah the special effects are starting to show a little bit but again for just for the story and everything and just the way it was done again today I would give it the five cushions (laughs) what would you give it I mean, for me, yeah, definitely. I I think... Uh, i trying to think the first time when I saw it. I saw it probably when I recorded it off the TV one Christmas. Um, what, and... You, and you was on the floor trying to pause it between the adverts. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, because I, yeah, I, ne- I never saw it at the cinema. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, I remember ca- you know, catching it on that and just thinking that's great. I think I, think I would have given it at the time maybe four cushions oh. and over time I've really began to appreciate the acting of everybody else in it and the special effects so it would be five would for be five now today. Yeah. it's actually gone up some films we watch and we just watch it you know even the likes of uh, Jackson's King Kong yeah. some, some of the special effects in that is a bit ropey now yeah. and you just say well I never know is that before Whereas this, you know, you bring up HD and stuff like that, it's still still, still good. good. And the story was just so well, you know, well done. It was well put together. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely, I would say five cushions. Oh well, then then that brings us nicely, all nicely plumped. Yes. (laughs) So that is the first film, if you like, that we're going to award the five cushion gold cushion award. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. There you have it. That was the end of our first show. Uh, apologies for my uh, audio. Uh, Mr. Naughty Fan was on in the background, so uh, that won't be on next time. Uh, thanks for listening. We both hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you like to contact us, our email address is uh, dtbot77 gmail.com. And our Twitter account is at DTBOTS. That D-T-B-O-T-S, down the back of the sofas. Uh, You can give us feedback and let us know what you liked or didn't like and put forward any suggestions for up-and-coming shows. Uh, Our Facebook page and website will be up and running soon, so you'll be able to find us on there as well in the future. Okay, take care and we'll see you next time. Just before we get into the uh, outro, just a quick apology as I made a bit of a (laughs) boo-boo. And uh, Rosero Dawson does not actually voice um, Ahsoka in the ultimate part of Rey's Be With Me in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, It's not her voice. It is actually Ashley Eckstein uh, who actually voices the same character in Clone Wars. Sorry about that. I need a motorcycle. An annual helmet.